Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's service. Um, we're glad you're here with us. Um, for those of you who are visiting, I'm Katie Helgens. Um, we are glad that you came to join us here tonight for our presentation of Leonardo da Vinci's depiction of our Lord's Last Supper. I have several announcements. Um, let's try to live in the moment here. So any electronics, cell phones, cameras, let's just turn those off. There will be time at the very end, I promise, where you can take pictures. But during the service, let's just enjoy it. Um, we would also like to thank those involved. Um, I think you see that in the bulletin. Um, please, just after the service, um, just try and give your thanks, because these guys have spent a lot of time to try and gather everything here tonight um, for you. So, We will not have any offering during the service, um, but there are offering plates at the entrance of the sanctuary. Um, I think gathering song, and then we'll get started. Please turn to hymn 817, You Have Come Down to the Lakeshore.
please join me in a word of prayer. Everlasting God, out of your endless love and mercy for the human race, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He lived and he loved for us, sharing in the human need of having a meal together. We ask now that you send your Holy Spirit to open our eyes and give life to our faith to encounter you through this dramatic reenactment of our Lord's Last Supper. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Um, our scripture reading for this evening is from Matthew chapter 26, 17 through 30. The Passover with the disciples. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to see a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. Mom. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord, he answered. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. The institution of the Lord's Supper. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, um, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives.
the Last Supper, were you there? The highest cannot be spoken. It can only be acted. This is true of many aspects of life. It is especially true of love, that at its highest, love is more than a word. It is an act. A mother's love for her children must go beyond words. And so also the love of Christ cannot fully be expressed in words, but goes beyond words to action. While we were yet sinners, he died for us, says the scriptures. But the Bible speaks also of present action. In the words of Jesus, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim my dying until I come. It was on Thursday before the first Easter, a few hours before his betrayal, that Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room for a last meal. They met to observe the Passover, an observance preserved by the Jews as a memory of God's deliverance of his people out of Egypt and a reminder of their covenant with him. That night, it became the feast of a new covenant, an observance of God's deliverance through the pouring out of the Savior's blood and the body of our Lord delivered up to death. Here is the night of the blackest sin and guilt the world has ever seen, but also the most perfect love that the human eye has ever beheld. Here is the meal of strength for the new man, life for his life, power for his power, mind of his mind. Here is the meal of memory to remind us how we have been loved. We have been bought with a price, our sin forgiven, a death exchanged for our life. Here is a fellowship, one Lord, one cup for all, one life for everyone. Our Lord gathered 12 men to his table that holy night. 12 different personalities, different experiences of Jesus, different understandings, different backgrounds, different in their past response to their Lord. Yet in one way, they were all alike, and all like us. They needed what could only come from Jesus Christ. Let us look now together at those who took their places at the table in the upper room. Remember that there is a place for each of you at the table of the Lord. Were you there? Can you find your place tonight at the Lord's table? It has been said that sometimes those most loved are the ones in the greatest need of love. And this may be true of the youngest disciple, the beloved disciple, John. Jesus loved him, 
Yet no disciple received such reprimands for his lack of love and unlovely qualities. Quiet and thoughtful, he had flashes of temper. Faithful to his Lord, but also ambitious for a favored position in the company of the faithful. There was a special lesson for John as he came with the others to the meal of self-sacrificing love. If you have felt your sin and your need of the Savior, you may find his love at the Lord's table, as did this disciple. In his letters, John says, If we are living in the same light in which he exists, then we have true fellowship with each other, and the blood which his Son shed for us keeps us clean from all sin. Will you take your place at the table tonight with John? Early in life, Philip was weak, lacking in self-confidence and self-reliance. But he is known to us as the disciple of power. On their last night together, he asked Jesus to open the windows of heaven so they would be forever satisfied. In return, Jesus responded, I've been with you so long. You have seen the things I do, heard me preach, and you still don't understand? And our Lord said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Philip understood. With him, perhaps we may learn to say, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Go to the table with Philip. If there are any who have known special spiritual privilege, perhaps your place is with James, the brother of John. He is one of the three disciples who was privileged to be with Jesus on special occasions like the Transfiguration and prayer in Gethsemane. James faced the special temptation of taking spiritual privileges for granted and of considering himself a step above his companions. James's special lesson for us may be that spiritual privilege carries with it special responsibility. After Pentecost, James went to Spain and was the first of the disciples martyred for his faith. What a spiritual what spiritual advantage has God given you that you might better serve others? Will you go to the table with James? Probably more of us are like Thomas than any other disciple. Even to the last, he did not know for sure if Jesus was the way. He brought his doubts to the upper room. He carried some of them when he left. Not until a later time, when he saw and touched the marks in the body of the risen Lord, did he fully believe. Perhaps your place at the table is with Thomas. When a doubter comes to faith, there is strength. 
May this disciple's confession be ours also, my Lord and my God. If you have known what it is like to have others criticize your life and question the sincerity of your faith, perhaps your place at the table of the Lord is with Matthew. Wealthy, well-educated, he gave up more of the world's goods than any of the other disciples. It is not easy to exchange love of wealth for love of God. But actions speak louder than words. Matthew has written a gospel, and his gospel has a go in it. It ends with the risen Lord's great commission. Go then to all peoples everywhere and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I will be with you always to the end of the age. May we learn, as Matthew learned, what it meant when Jesus said, Not my will, but thine be done. Let us go to the table tonight with Matthew. When the twelve gathered with Jesus in the upper room, Thaddeus, sometimes called Jude, had a searching question. Why would Jesus reveal himself to the disciples and to a few other friends, but not to the world? The answer was given. The disciples did not gather to remain in the upper room separate from the world but to be prepared to be his messengers to the world. For God reveals his love to the world, chiefly through the, uh, through the lives of the men of faith. If you are one who make it a regular practice to come to the Lord's house, but finds it hard to live the Christ life in the daily round, perhaps your place is at the table with Thaddeus. The name Judas is known to all. Perhaps all share in our hearts something of the worldly ambition that turned Judas from Jesus' inner circle into a betrayer. A trusted member of the group, given special responsibilities for the treasury of the disciples, he entered the upper room with plans already formed. Jesus, who searches the hearts of man, knew Judas's heart also. There is not much difference between the denial of Peter and Judas's betrayal. The difference lies in what they did afterward. While Judas felt sorrow for his sin and even confessed, I have sinned in that I betrayed innocent blood, he was speaking to men, not to God. He sought comfort from his companions in crime, not from his Savior, 
His cry was earthward, not heavenward. For us who are invited to find our place at the table of the Lord, Judas is a warning. All of us may find a seat at the Lord's table with Peter, whose promises exceeded his performance, who failed to watch and pray in Gethsemane, who fell in with Jesus' enemies while Jesus was standing trial, and in so doing denied his Lord. But Christ's forgiveness made known with his disciples in the upper room and Christ's spirit, given on Pentecost, transformed Peter into a fearless preacher and a powerful leader in the early church. Will you go with Peter to the Lord's table tonight? This disciple is identified by name with a revolutionary movement. Simon, the zealot, belonged to a party who wanted to overthrow the Roman rule in Israel. He may have come to Jesus seeking a military messiah, but he found himself engaged in a different kind of warfare. Perhaps there is a special lesson that Simon the zealot can share, that politics without justice is doomed and that a nation without the righteousness of God will not endure. Are you at the table with Simon the Zealot? Perhaps it is significant that Andrew, the first of the twelve to be chosen by Jesus, is a man of only ordinary abilities, not a leader of men not aggressive like his brother Simon, often in the shadow of other disciples with more ability. If there is one thing at which he excels, it is that he is interested in people. It was Andrew who led his brother, Simon, to Jesus. It was he who made friends with a boy while Jesus preached to the 5,000. The boy happened to have five barley loaves and two fish, and Andrew brought him forward at the right time. And when the Greeks came and asked Philip if they might see Jesus, Philip turned to Andrew for advice, and Andrew introduced them to the master. Perhaps you will find your place at the Lord's table with this man, limited in talents. Yet Andrew had an interest in other people and surrendered talents and interest to the service of Christ. Will you go to our Lord's table with Andrew? This disciple might ask us, How long have you been silent about your Lord? For three years, he followed Jesus. While there is not indication of unfaithfulness, yet the scriptures record not a single word from his lips. He never answered a question, 
or asked one. This disciple's life reminds us that witness to Christ must be both in words and in way of life. After the night of the supper, after our Lord's death and resurrection, and after the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, James was silent no more, preaching in Jerusalem until he was stoned to death for it. If our witness to the Lord has suffered in silence, perhaps our place at his table is with James the Younger. Perhaps there is a place for you with Bartholomew, also called Nathaniel. Steeped in ancient scriptures from his childhood, trained in the faith of his fathers from earliest days, he still found something lacking in his faith. When invited to become Jesus' disciple, his reaction was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? His incompleteness and his questions were answered by Jesus. Bartholomew found the inner peace that came from Christ's presence. Jesus said about him, Here is a real Israelite. There is nothing false in him. Perhaps for you also the answers the completeness, the truth that you seek may be found in Christ and at his table. Is your place at our Lord's table with Bartholomew? These were the men, these twelve, called by Christ to discipleship who gathered together with their Lord that night in a borrowed room. They are all different in personality, background, ability, and understanding. Yet they are all alike in their need of Jesus. In their differences and in their similarities, you may find your place with them. We know of the importance of this occasion to the disciples. We need also remember its importance for Jesus. The intensity of his yearning for meeting with his disciples, the deep passion of that desire is expressed in the words he spoke at the table. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not partake of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. It was to all of them, Peter, Thomas, Judas, and the others that Jesus said, With a great yearning I have desired to eat this supper with you before I die. This longing of Jesus to commune with his friends on the eve of his death crosses over the centuries. Jesus yearns for the oneness of humankind in him, a oneness capable of including all. So, 
in a real sense, all of you sit at the Lord's table. You see yourselves in the lives of these twelve. As you do, you find the tie that binds us together, people of Christ in the communion of saints. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory. Uh, please join me in the benediction found in your bulletin. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Go in peace. Christ is with you.